my name is Shreya, and let's read Harry Potter together. Last episode, we read Chapter 4, The Keeper of Keys. And this episode, we will be reading Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. And we are currently on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So let's get started. Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant came called Hagrid came to tell me that I was going to a school of wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise, and there's Aunt Petunia knocking on the door, Harry thought, his heart sinking. But he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up, and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa. And there was now, wrapping its claws on the window, a newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy he felt as though a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered on the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. Don't do that. Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid, said Harry loudly, there's an owl. Pay him. Harry grunted on into the sofa. What? He wants paying for the delivering. The paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunch of keys, slug pellets, ball of string, mint humbugs, Tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Give him five nuts, said Hagrid sleepily. Nuts! The little brown ones! Harry counted out five little brown coins, and the owl held out its legs so he could put the money into a small leather pouch tied to it. Then it flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up, and stretched. Best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Look, gotta get up to London and buy your school stuff. Harry was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something which made him feel as though the happy balloon inside had gone puncher. Um, Hagrid? Mm-hmm, said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. I haven't got any money. And you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic. Don't worry about that, said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything? But if their house was destroyed, they didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. Nah. First stop for us is Gringotts, Wizard's Bank. Have a sausage, then not bad cold, and I wouldn't say no to a bit of your birthday cake, neither. Wizards have banks. 
Just the one, Gringotts, run by goblins. Harry dropped a bit of sausage that he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, so you'd be mad to try and rob them. I'd tell you that. Never mess with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe. Except maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I got a visit to Gringotts anyway, for Dumbledore. Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important stuff for him. Fetching you, getting things from Gringotts. He knows he can trust me. See? Got everything. Come on, then. Harry followed Hagrid out onto the rock. The sky was quite clear now, and the sea gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the bottom of the storm. How did you get here? Harry asked, looking around for another boat. Flew, said Hagrid. Flew? Yeah, but we gotta go back in this. Not supposed to use magic now. I've got ya. They settled down in the boat. Harry's still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. See, seems a shame to row now, said Hagrid, giving Harry another of his sideways looks. If I was to to speed things up a bit, would you mind not mentioning it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Hagrid pulled out his pink umbrella again, tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and they sped off towards land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry asked. Spells, enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say the dragons got in the high security vaults, and then you got to find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London Sea, deep under the ground. You'd die of hunger trying to get out. Even if you managed to try to get your hand on some, Harry sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while they did this, but it was very difficult. He'd never had so many questions in his life. Minister Magic messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. It's a Ministry of Magic, Harry asked before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They wanted Dumbledore for minister, of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts. So old, Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bonjour, if there ever was one. So he pelted Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does the Ministry of Magic do? Well, their man job is to keep it from muggles that they're witches and wizards and country. Why? Why? Blimey! Harry, everyone wanted magic solutions to their problems. Now we're best to left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbour wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper, and they clambered up the stone steps on the street. Passers-by stared a lot at Hagrid as they walked through the little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame him. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things, like parking meters, and saying loudly, See that, Harry? Things these models dream up, eh? Hagrid, said Harry, panting a bit as he 
Miranda kept up. Did you say there are dragons in Gringotts? Well, so they say, said Hagrid. Cricky, I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? One, one ever since I was a kid. Here we go. They had reached the station. There was a train to London in five minutes' time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as he called it, gave the notes to Harry so he could buy their tickets. People stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid took up two seats and sat knitting what looked like a canary yellow circus tent. Still got your letter, Harry? He asked as counting stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pockets. Good, said Harry. There's a list of everything you need. Harry unfolded a second piece of paper he hadn't noticed the night before he read. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uniform. First year students require three sets of plain work robes, black, one plain pointed hat, black for dairy wear, one pair of protective gloves, dragon hide or similar, one winter cloak, black silver fastenings. Please note that all pupils' clothes should carry name tags. Set books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Swell, Grade 1, by Miranda Goshak. A History of Magic, by Batilda Backshot. Magical Theory, by Alabert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration, by Emmerick Switch. 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi, by Flida Spore. Magical Drafts and Potions, by Arsenus Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, by New Scamandar. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection, Quentin Trimble. Other equipment. One wand, one cauldron, fruit of size two. One set glass or crystal files. One telescope, one set brass scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed to carry their own broomsticks. Can we all buy all this in London? Harry wondered out loud. If you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before, although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going. He was obviously not used to getting there the ordinary way. He got stuck in the ticket barrier on the underground and complained loudly that the states were too small and the trains were so slow. I don't know how the muggles managed to eat without magic, he said, as they climbed a broken-down escalator which led up to the bustling road lined with shops. Hagrid was so huge that he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was keep close behind him. The past bookshops and the music stores, hamburger bars and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as if they could sell you a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humor, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If... Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it. It was there. 
The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on the one side to the record shop on the other side, as if they couldn't see the leaky curtain at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that he, only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in the corner, drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man on the top of the hat was talking about an old barman, who was quite bald and looked like a gummy walnut. The low buzz of shatter stopped when they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the barman reached for a glass, saying, The usual, Hagrid? Caught Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business, said Hagrid, clapping his hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees a buckle. Good Lord, said the barman, peering at Harry. Is this, can this be? The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old barman. Harry Potter, what an honor. He hurried out of behind the bar, rushed toward Harry, and seized his hands, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it, without realizing it had gone out. Hagrid was beaten. There was a great scrapping of chairs, and next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter. I'm so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand. I'm all a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter. Just can't tell you. Diddle, diggle the name. Starless Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, at Diddleless Diggle's top hat fell off with his excitement. You bowed to me once in the shop. He remembers, cried Diddleless Diggle, looking around at everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward. Very nervously, one of his eyes were twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be your teachers at Hogwarts. P-p-p-potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you need it, eh, Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up new books on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quiller keep Harry to himself. It took almost ten minutes to get away from the all. At last, Harry managed to m- make himself heard over the babble. Must get on! Lots to do! Lots to buy! Come on, Harry! Doris Quackward shook Harry's hand one last time, and Hagrid led them through the bar and out into a small walled courtyard where there was nothing out but a dustbin and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. 
Told you, didn't I? Told you you're famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you. Mind you, he's always trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah. Poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine while he was studying at a books. But then he took a year off to get some first-hand experience. They say he met vampires in the Black Forest, and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since, scared of the students, scared of his own subject. Now, where's my umbrella? Vampires. Hag. Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall right above the dustbin. Three up, two across, he muttered. Right, stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled in the middle. A small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway large enough to fit Hagrid. Welcome, said Hagrid, to Diagon Alley. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink instantly back into solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shops. Cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, colossal, said a sign hanging over them. Yeah, they'll be needing one, said Hagrid, but we've got to get your money first. Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned in his head in every direction as they walking up the street, trying to look at everyone and everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping, a plump woman outside an apothecary's was shaking her hand as they passed, saying, Giant liver, sixteen sickles at ounce. They're mad. A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop with the sign saying, Elops Owl Emporium, Tony Screech Bond Brown and Snowy. Several boys about, of about Harry's age had their noses pressed against the window with a broomstick in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, The Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes, and strange little silver instruments Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eels' eyes, tottering piles of spellbooks, quills, and rolls of parchment, potions, bottles, globes of the moon. Gringotts, said Hagrid. They reached a snowy white building with towered over the other little shops. Standing beside it, burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet gold, was yeah, a goblin, said Hagrid, quietly as they walked up a white stone step towards them. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He was a swarthy, clever face, a pointed beard. Harry noticed very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing a second pair of doors, silver this time, with the words engraved, Enter, Stranger. 
But take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take it but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our flows a treasure that will never be yours, thief, you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad and try to rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed them through the silver doors, and they were vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind the long counter, scribbling in large ledger weighing coins on brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free goblin. We've come to take some money out of Mr. Harry Potter's safe. You have the key, sir? Got it somewhere, said Hagrid, and he started emptying his pockets on the counter, scattered a handful of multi dog biscuits over the Goblin's book of numbers, the goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry watched the goblin on the right weighing a pile of rubies as biz as glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. That seems to be in order. And I've also got this letter here from Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid, importantly throwing off his chest. It's about the... You know what? In Vault 713. The goblin read the letter very carefully. Very well, he said, handing it to Hagrid. I will have someone take you to both wolves. Gripok! Gripok was another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook towards one of the doors leading off the hall. What's the you-know-what in Walt 713? Harry asked. Can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore trusted me. More in my job's worth to tell you that. Gripuck held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in narrow stone passageway, lit with framing torches. It sloped steeply downwards and there was a little railway's tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled and a small cart came hurling up the tracks towards them. They climbed in Hagrid with some difficulty and were off. At first they had just hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to number left, right, right, left, Middle, folk, right, left. But it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its own way, because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept his eyes open. Once he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of the passage and twisted around to see if it was a dragon. But too late. He plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake which huge selectees and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and the floor. I never know, Harry called to Hagrid over a noise of the cart. What's the difference between a 
stalagmite and a stalacite. Stalagmite is called an eminent, said Hagrid. And don't ask me questions just now. I'm going to be sick. He did look very green when the cart stopped at last beside a small door in the passage wall. Hagrid got out. After leaning against the wall from knees to stop trembling, Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came out, blowing out. As it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronzes. All yours. All Harry's? It was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, or they had it from him faster than blinking. How often had they complained how much Harry cost them to keep? And all the time there had been small fortune belonging to him, buried deep under London. Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it in the bag. The gold ones are galleons. He spent 17 silver sickles to a galleon, 29 nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right. That should be enough for a couple of terms. We'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Griphook. Vault 713 now, please. Can we go more slowly? One speed only, said Griphook. They were going even deeper down now and gathered speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled round tight corners. They went rattling over underground ravine and Harry leant over the side to try and see what was down at the dark bottom, but Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 and no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the metal door gently with one of his long fingers and simply melted away. If anyone but the Gringotts Goblin tried that, they'd be stuck through the door that is trapped in here. Said Griphook, how often do you check if anyone's inside? Harry asked, about once every ten years. Said Griphook, with a rather nasty grin. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault. Harry was sure, and he leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at his first, he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a, a grubby little package wrapped in brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it is, but knew better than to ask. Come on, back in the infernal cart, and don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart later, later they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't even know how many gallons there were to pound to know that he was holding more money than he had in his whole life. More money than even Dudley had ever had. Might as well get your uniform, said Hagrid, nodding towards Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off uh, a pick-me-up in the leaky cauldron? I hate them Gringotts carts. He did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin squat smiling witch dress. I'm Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got a lot here. Nothing young man has been fitted up just now. 
In the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool while a second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on the stool next to him, slipping a long robe over his head and began to pin to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts too. Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying my books and mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling face. Then I'm going to go drag them off to look at racing brooms. I didn't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into get me one and I can smuggle in somehow. Harry was strongly minded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No. Harry said again, wondering what earth Quidditch would be. I do. Father said it's a crime if I don't pick to play for my house. And I must say, I agree. Know what your house should be yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave. Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy, suddenly nodding towards the window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing two large ice creams to show he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid. Said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy. I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? He's the gamekeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he's a sort of savage. Lives in a hut in the school grounds. And every now and then, then he gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up setting fire to his bed. I think he's brilliant said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy, with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like the boy was going to getting in the water with this boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not sounding sorry at all. But they were all kind, weren't they? There were a witch and a wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should let the other sort in, do you? They're not, they're just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they get their letter. Imagine, I think they should keep it in all wizarding families. What's your surname again? But before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin, that's you done, my dear, Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Let's see how Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate his ice cream. Hagrid had bought him chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing. Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a ball of ink that changed colour as he wrote. When they left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blame me, Harry. I keep forgetting how little you know. Not knowing that Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Hagrid about the pale boy in Madame Malkin's. 
And he said people from Muggle family shouldn't even be allowed. You're not from a Muggle family. If he knew you all were, he's been growing up your name if his parents and wizard and folk. You saw him in the Leaky Cauldron. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I have ever were only ones with magic and in a long line of muggles. Look at your mum. Look at what she had for her sister. So what is Quidditch? It's our sport. Wizard sport. It's like football in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch. Played up in the air on broomsticks and they're full boards. Sort of hard to explain the rules. And what are Slytherin and Hufflepuff? School houses. There's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of duffers. But I bet I'm a Hufflepuff, said Harry gloomily. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was. One. Bolt. Sorry, you know who was at Hogwarts. Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school shop in a shop called Flourish and Blots, where the shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones, bound in leather, books the size of postage stamps and covered of silk, books full of peculiar symbols, and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from the curses and countercurses. Bewitch your friends and buffles with your enemies with lost revenges, hair loss, jelly legs, tongue tongue, and much, much more. Professor Mindy Ducks murder. I was trying to find out how to curse Dudley. I was saying that's a good idea, but you're not supposed to use magic in the muggle world, except in a very special circumstances, said Hagrid. And anyway, they couldn't work any of them curses yet. You need to study a lot more before you can get to that level. Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold cauldron. Either it's said put on your list, but they got a nice set of scales for weighing potion ingredients and collapsible brass telescope. Then they visited the apothecaries, which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell, a mixture of bad eggs and rotted cabbages. Barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floors, jars of herb, Dried roots and bright powders lined the walls. Bundles of feathers, strings of fangs, and snarled claws hung from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked a man behind the counter for supplies of basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns at 21 gallons each and minuscule, glittery black beetle eyes. Five nuts a scoop. Outside the apothecaries, Hagrid checked Harry's list again. Just your one left. Oh yeah, I haven't got your birthday present. Harry felt himself go red. You don't have to. I know I don't have to. Tell you what, I'll get you your animal. Not a toad. Toads were out of fashion years ago. You'd be laughed at. And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. I'll get you an owl. All kids were owls. They're dead useful. Carry a post and everything. Twenty minutes later, the 
Ilop's Owl Emporium, which had been dark and full of rusting and flickering jewel-bright eyes. Harry now carried a large cage, which held a beautiful snowy owl, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering his thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. Don't mention it, said Harry gruffly. Don't you expect you've got a lot of presents from the Dursleys? Just Ollivander's left. Now, only place for wands. Ollivander's and you got have a best wand. A magic wand? This is what Harry had been really looking forward to. The last shop was a narrow and shabby place. Peeling gold letters over the door read Ollivander's, makers of fine wands since 382 B.C. A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in the dusty window. A tinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, except for a single spindle chair which Haggard sat on to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions which had just occurred to him, and looked instead at thousands of narrow boxes, piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret magic. "'Good afternoon,' said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hackard must have jumped, too, because there was a loud crunching noise, and he quickly got off the spindle chair. An old man was standing before him, his wide, pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. "'Hello,' said Harry awkwardly. "'Ah, yes,' said the man. "'Yes, yes. I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter.' "'It wasn't a question.' "'You have your mother's eyes. "'It seems only yesterday she was here herself, buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy made of willow.' Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. The silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favoured a mahogany wand, eleven inches, pliable, a little more power, and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say, your father favoured it. It really was the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close to Harry that he was almost nose-to-nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long, white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the one that he did it, he said softly, thirteen and a half inches Whew! Powerful wand. Very powerful. In the wrong hands. Well, if I'd known what that one was going to do in the world. He shook his head, and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius! Rubius Hagrid! How nice to see you again! Oak sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes. Good wand, that one. But I suppose they stopped it in half. When you got expelled said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Uh, yes, they did, yes, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly.
but you don't use them, said Mr. Olivander sharply. Oh, no, sir, said Haggard quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. Hmm, said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. Well, now, Mr. Potter, let me see. He pulled out a long measuring tape with silver markings on his pocket. Which is your wand arm? Uh, well, I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hold out your arm. That's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and around his head. As he measured, he said, Every olive vonder wand has a core of most powerful magical substance. Mr. Potter, we use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the head strings of dragons. No two olivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. And, of course, you will never get such good results from any other wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realized that the tape measure, which was measuring between his nostrils, was doing this on its own. Mr. Ollivander was fitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. That will do, he heard, and the tape measure crumpled into the heap on the floor. Right then, Mr. Potter, try this one. Beechwood and Dragon Heartstring, nine inches. Nice and flexible. Just give it a wave. Harry took the wand and, feeling foolish, waved it around a bit. Mr. Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and Phoenix feathers, seven inches, quite whippy. Try. Harry tried, but he had hardly raised the wand when two was snatched back by Mr. Ollivander. No, no, here. A bonnie and unicorn hair, eight and a half inches springy. Go on. Try it out. He tried and tried. He had no idea what Mr. Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of tried ones was mounting higher and higher on the spindling chair. But more ones Mr. Ollivander pulled from the shelves, the happier he seemed to become. Tricky customer, eh? Not to worry. We'll find the perfect match here somewhere. I wonder now. Yes, why not? Unusual combination. Holy and Phoenix Feather, 11 inches, nice and simple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air, and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like fireworks, throwing dancing spots of light on the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped, and Mr. Ollivander cried, Oh, bravo! Yes, indeed! Oh, very good! Well, well, well! How curious! How very curious! He put Harry's wand back into the box and wrapped it in brown paper, still muttering, Curious! Curious! Sorry, said Harry, but what's curious? Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with a pale stare. I remember every wand I've sold, Potter. Every single wand. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather 
is in your wand, gave another feather, just one other. It is very curious, indeed, that you should be designed for this wand, when its brother, why, its brother gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches, you. Curious indeed how these things happen. The one chooses the wizards, of course. Remember, I think we must accept great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who not, must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Harry shivered. He was not sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bowed them from his shop. The late afternoon sun hung low in the sky as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down Diagon Alley. Back through the wall, back through the leaky cauldron, now empty. Harry didn't squeak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how many people were gawping at them on the underground, laden as they were with their funny-shaped packages, with a sleeping snowy owl on Harry's lap. Up another escalator out into Paddington Station, Harry only realized where they were when Hungry tapped him on the shoulder. Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. He bought Harry a hamburger and they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. You're all right, Harry. You're very quiet. Harry wasn't sure if he could explain. He just had the best birthday of his life, and yet he chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. Everyone thinks I'm special, he said at last. All those people in the leaky cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander. But I don't know anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous, and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't know what happened when, well, sorry, I mean, the night my parents died. Hagrid leant across the table, behind the wild beard and eyebrows. He wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry. You'll learn fast. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out, and that's always hard. But you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of fact. Hagrid helped Harry on the train that would take him, them back to the Dursleys, then handed him an envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts, he said. First of September, Kring's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys, send me a letter with your owl. She know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose in the seat and pressed his nose against the window, but he blinked, and Hagrid was gone. Thank you so much for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Thank you for staying with me until the end. And I know this was a very long episode. It was almost 50 minutes, but I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll see you next time. Bye!